0: This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. that would be new to City Bible Church. My name is Mark Estes. I am uh, one of the campus pastors here at Rocky Butte. Every one of our campuses have a campus pastor. And uh, it's a privilege for me uh, this morning to bring the word to you this morning. And we're gonna be starting a new series this morning. Pastor Frank wished that he could be here. He's a little sick this morning. You could uh, be praying for him. So I get the wonderful privilege to uh, jump into a new series. And as we jump into this series... This could be perhaps one of the most important series that you'll ever experience. And I know that's a lot to say because we preach the word and we go through all different types of topics, but this one in particular is a foundation stone to your life. If you don't get this one right, everything else really won't matter as much. And so it's a a bold statement, but I believe it's a truthful statement in the fact that we better understand in our lives what matters most. And I want to ask you the question before we dive into the word this morning, to ponder this one question, just give it some thought, all campuses, every person, those that are online, think about this one question and answer it in your heart, what matters most me. As soon as I said that, something popped up in your mind, something that you think about, something that you dream about, something that you're passionate about. What is it that came to your mind? Maybe I could ask it a different way. What do you live for? When you think about your time and your talents and your treasures and everything that you do, what occupies Your life, your thoughts, your energy, your finances. Where do you devote you to? Maybe we could even ask it a little bit deeper, a little bit harder this way. What am I willing to die for? Not just live for, but die for. These questions really drive us back to this idea of foundations, it drives us back to this thought about values. It brings us to this place where now we're confronted to think about our convictions, our non-negotiables. And the answer to these questions ultimately define who you are. You are a byproduct of your values. You may not think about them a lot, you have them, but you may not think about them, but ultimately who you are is a result of your value system. Who you are becoming and ultimately your legacy, what you leave, what you're remembered by, all comes back to what we're talking about, what matters most, the values in your life. And what makes this message so appropriate and so pertinent to this morning and to the times in which we live is that we live in a seemingly valueless society today. Everything's up for grabs. It seems like when it comes to this idea of what we do with our lives is driven by public opinion. We see it in politics. It comes down to things like what's best for me, my carnal appetites. My own desires, my wants, my wishes, what makes life better for me? And as you begin to take a look at what's happening with our appetites and personal pleasures, it seems like today, driven by our media and entertainment and everything else that we live by, is that's where so much of our time goes, where our energy goes, where our focus goes. The time in front of a television, the time that we spend in movies and music and Facebook and everything else trying to figure out what people are thinking and what people are saying and how it affects me and how can I fit in and how can I gain acceptance and approval based upon culture, not based upon God. And what happens is that people devote their lives so much to these things. And the unfortunate part is that we live a life then with emptiness, confusion, depression, you look at the depression in our society. You look at discouragement. You look at worry, anxiety, fear, panic attacks. I mean, you start going through all these things. There's, there's something to say about all of these things, maybe in that that our root system is rooted in something different than what God wants it to be rooted in. And we look at the media today and we see these tragic stories of wonderful people like Robin Williams. Here's this guy that was made us all laugh, and here's a guy that had seemed on the outside to be one of the happiest guys who seemingly had everything, but was missing something, or a Whitney Houston, or even more recently with her daughter. You think of musicians like Kurt Cobain, and for those of you here, maybe with white hair, we could say Jimi Hendrix or Janis Joplin just to make this message relevant for you. See, the Apostle Paul, he had a lot to say about what matters most. He'd spent a lot of his life living for other things, searching for other ways in order to build his identity and significance. But towards the end of his life, as he sat in a jail and he reflected back on everything that he did that seemed to be a vain attempt at filling something in his life, Had a lot of time on his hand, a lot of time to ponder, and he pulls out his pen or his little ink feather, whatever he would do during that day, and he pens these thoughts in Philippians. And I want to read to you a scripture that I think is very appropriate to launch this series. Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, he says this. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. So he's talking about it. I'm hoping that something's happening in you, that you're growing in revelation and understanding and things are flowing out of your life. And he goes on and he says, for I want you to understand, and here it is, what matters most. Now, if Paul is saying this, it should get our attention. He said, I want to tell you something that really, really matters. He says this, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. So he's saying, I, I want you to get this. I want you to understand what matters most is because as you go through life, you're gonna find out that living a blameless and a pure life is what ultimately brings you abundant life and actually gives you everything that you're looking for included, a great eternal experience with Jesus forever. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And he says, for this, is the righteous character that's produced in your life by Jesus. He says what matters most, you're going to live pure, you're going to live blameless, you're going to have a life that you're going to be excited about, a life without regret and shame and sorrow and all those things. It's a life that's rooted in a character that's produced in your life by Jesus not by media, not by popular opinion, not by what culture's telling you, not by what your friends are telling you, not even what maybe your parents, unless it's the word of God. Every other influence he's saying is secondary to the fact of a character that's produced in living a life that's rooted in Jesus Christ, the living word. And so Paul lived a life on biblical values. His values were his compass. He knew that he would every day face circumstances and situations. He would face challenges, setbacks. There would be things that would come his way. And his values became his compass to respond to whatever came his way oftentimes we hear that it's those circumstances that produce character. I would look at it different. Those circumstances actually reveal character because ultimately when those things come, if you don't have a value system before they come, you may may make a decision to do something contrary to what you perceive to be what you should be doing. And so I love Paul and his life and He obviously, everything that he saw was the eyeglasses to everything, the values, the the word of God, Christ in him, everything that he did. And so as we jump into this series, when we talk about what matters most, and you'll see this over the coming weeks, it basically is this. This is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about finding and choosing biblically proven values upon which I can build my life knowing my life will have purpose, significance, and legacy. That's what every one of us want. We want purpose in life. We want significance. We want legacy. Those are everything that we're looking for that's a part of this God-ordained or God-created nature of who we are. And the reason we try to fill all of these holes in our life with things is ultimately to get this. And what we're talking about in this series is the only way that you can actually fill the holes in your world and in your life properly that produce the desire that you want and that God intends is through a biblically-based value system that becomes the foundation of your life. That's why we ask questions such as this that are important questions, not just, just to uh, skim over, but to really ponder. Questions like, what do you believe in? And, What's most important to you? What values govern your life? Do you even know what those are? What are you building your life's foundation on? What is your internal navigation system? Every one of the answers to those questions say something about your value system. Maybe you're new to this thing called Christianity, maybe new to City Bible Church and What you're going to find as you spend time with us in our family is that we actually believe that everything that we do in life, through life, for life, is found right here. City Bible Church. It's a value. It's a value system. It's our navigation point, God's Word. And when we think about our core values or actually what they represent, it's, it's the underpin of how you live your life. Is it culture? Is it something else? Or is it this? It's the underpin, it's the anchor point of your life. It reflects who you are, determines the answer to the question, who am I? Not who you think you are, not even who you want to be, not even who people say that you are or that you wish to be, it's actually who you are. There's a value system that you live right now that has currently defined you. Thank God that we have time to change those things. And can I hear a few people say amen? Come on. He who began a good work is faithful to complete it. We're in this process. It's important to get those values back into our life now to make sure that we finish well. Another question is, uh, is are the unspoken principles and convictions that you agree to live your life by? so when it comes to values, we're gonna jump right in and look at some stuff this morning. This is what a value is for your life and my life. It's a critically important, biblically core beliefs that drive our lives and remain consistent in any circumstance. Whatever that value is, it's so deeply entrenched in you that when you get put into a situation where there's the potential of compromise, you lean on your value, not on your flesh. It also means this. It's an essence of principle-centered living that helps us make a commitment to listen and live by in our core beliefs. Now, here's one more. The firm, deep-rooted conviction... That will not allow for conformity to less, excuse me, for conformity to less than God's best. Values. As I was thinking about people that have actually lived this kind of life, I was quickened to Abraham Lincoln, who in many Minds of people today would not have been a popular guy, especially during his time and some of the tensions that he faced. But he said this early on in his presidency. He said, I so desire to conduct the affairs of this administration properly that if at the end, when I come to lay down the reins of power, if I've lost every other friend on earth, I shall at least have one friend left, and that friend shall be the one who lives deep down inside of me. I like that comment. I like that thought. He realized that he was the only one that could be the person that built a life or built himself or built his values in a way that he could actually live with himself. He could put his pillow on his head at night and not live a life of shame and regret and sorrow. And so as we jump into this series, we're going to recognize that every single person here today, you have a set of values. You may not be able to define them, but you actually live by them. And those values have been built and developed in your life throughout your life. Started at a very young age with your parents and what your parents told you were right and wrong, what was important, what was not important, was church important, were sports important, was education important, were manners important, and everything that they did began to develop a value system in you. Your education and going to school, private, public, homeschool, whatever college that you went to, if you went, there were things that were put into you, these values that you were taught saying, live this way, do these things, think this way, and they became a part of our value system. Then you've got coaches and you have teachers. Actually, a lot of our values come through our peers and through friends because of the need for acceptance and Younger generation today, there's a lot of stuff that comes even today through media and entertainment and musicians and movie stars, and they want to be like that person, and so they dress and think and act like those people. So we build this value system in our lives, whether we know it or not, it becomes then the grid in which we live life, what's important, where we spend our time, where we spend our money, what we think about, what's good, what's bad. And the source of your values will determine the strength or the weakness of your life. The stronger your value system, the more confident and stronger your life will be. If that value system is based upon the Word of God and you live a biblically-based value system, you'll get exactly what you're looking for in life. Purpose, significance, belonging, acceptance, hope, peace, Joy, fulfillment, all of those things come by living your life with a biblically-based value system. May not be popular, but it's the right way. Or you can live your life basically through a worldly value-based life system that, again, is tattered with the ever-changing tides of this rapidly eroding society. You look at what's going on today, and it's, it's moving. Values are moving. They're eroding. What used to be a conviction now is a preference, which now becomes a desire. And we see that in relationships as we look at the world today and we look at people that back in the 50s and 60s and 70s, it was unheard of to live together. Now it's not only the accepted norm, you're actually a funny person if you're a virgin or actually waiting to live with someone until you're married. It's because society has been moving. And the key point for all of this is to understand this. Wherever you're at in your journey is we have a few things in common. Number one, we have a value system. And number two, you have the choice as to which value system you're going to allow to be the foundation of your life. God gave you and me the free will. He gave us the ability to choose. He gave us the ability to take a look at right or wrong, good or bad, and to be able to discern that and then apply that principle to our lives. Jesus talked about this. And in this one particular case in Matthew 7, he's talking to a group of people and he's, he's trying to make this idea about foundations very simple. He's not trying to complicate it. He's not trying to give 40, 50 different options. He boils his whole conversation down to this idea is that there's really two ways that you can live your life. He's talking to a group of people that are living in this Palestine region in this Uh, This one particular area, obviously, was known for these horrendous flash floods. This wouldn't have been some abstract teaching. I mean, maybe he's even teaching in a ravine or somewhere, maybe where these flash floods have come and came through. And there's probably a lot of people that have seen the effects of these floods. You can even go on Google today and look at Palestinian flash floods. I mean, they, they wreak havoc on the region. Torrential downpours. Not much vegetation in the mountains. Get out of the way. It's going it's to take out everything in its path. So here's this group of people, and Jesus is teaching these principles. And he says this in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. I'm going to read this in the NIV. It says this He says, If everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, here's your choice. Your part. He says them, you practice them. It says, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock, Christ. His values, the living word. The rain comes down, streams arose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. And it says this, because, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, unfortunately, this has become a good part of the American church today. The songs that we sing, the messages that we hear, I would be as guilty as every person in this room. It's so easy to hear something and agree with it and separate our beliefs from our behaviors, because we are so inundated with cultural pressures, we go out and we begin to do things maybe we shouldn't do or watch things that we shouldn't watch or listen to things that we shouldn't listen to simply because we are immersed in a culture that is trying to bombard us with wrong thoughts. And Jesus is warning us and saying, by the way, if you're that person, if you hear what I'm saying and you do not do, not just believe, but do them, He says, it's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. And I look at this story and I look at some of the thoughts that come out of this and I I have to consider some of the comparisons between this wise and this foolish builder, the one that built on the rock and the one that built on the sand. The reality was is that the truth was presented equally to both of them, but one chose to obey it, and one didn't. Jesus is making the story pretty simple. You're going to build your house, your life on something. You're going to hear values, truths, what you do with them will really determine the outcome. I think that they built their house built upon something that they desired. Their values dictated their desires. When you think about it, the guy that built on the sand, he built something quick, not a lot of effort. It was convenient. Probably wanted to go off and do something else. Didn't closely assess the situation. Wasn't thinking about things that might come. He was living in the present. Just kind of seemed easy, quick, let's get it up so we can go do other things. The guy that built on the rock, it took some time, some energy, drilling down into the bedrock, discipline, effort, persistence, doing things that maybe he didn't want to do so that he could ultimately become who he was supposed to become. He understood the principle you pay now, you play later, versus play now, and you pay later. So, when I look at these stories, we realize that there is a lot to say about this idea about a rock foundation or a sand foundation. I want to show a diagram up on the screen here. We have to choose how we're going to build our lives. Every single one of us, we, we have these things called presuppositions. And what I mean by that is the basic way in which you look life, your worldview, uh, your grid for which you see the world. And your presuppositions, they, they rest on this idea of there's some truth that's out there and it exists, so I'm going to live my life by that truth. It, pro- it provides the, the basis for your values. When Jesus was talking about building a house on a rock, he was talking about this kind of a person, a person that actually believes in God, that he's all-powerful, all-knowing, the creator of all things, in control of everything. He is the creator, we are the created. He is the potter, we are the clay. There's a God that's in control more than you. Out of that, the recognition that there's belief in the word of God, that this This Bible is 100% infallible. It's true. It's always truth. It's never changing. It's always relevant to your situation. And out of that, you begin to derive a thing called absolutes, which is a word that is not accepted these days in our culture. Beginning to tell us, listen, there's certain things that it says about marriage or about relationship or about sex before marriage or about things that you do with your money or things that you do with your time or the people you hang out with or the people that you don't hang out with. It may not be popular. It may even sound judgmental. It may even seem out of date to where we live. But what God is saying, it's absolute. It may not be popular, but popular, popular thought isn't always right thought. And out of the absolutes, you begin to then put that into your life where you now begin to live that as your personal conviction. This now is not just a biblical absolute, but it now becomes a conviction in my life to where you now begin to walk out these things called Christ-centered principles, which now determines your value system. Building a house on the rock. There's a lot of people today, and again, think about this as you think our society today, those that build on a a sand foundation, a wrong choice values. They base their value system based upon, you can go to the next screen if you wouldn't mind, what culture believes, what others believe, what's right for me. I'm going to make a decision today that's right for me. We live in a narcissistic culture that teaches us that. It's all about me. What's right for the situation? In other words, is truth relative? Do we live in this this culture of relativism where truth can apply in this situation, but maybe it doesn't apply in this one because it doesn't match what I want out of it? And ultimately, we begin to believe in my own rules. How many would know one person, obviously not yourself, that kind of lives that way? So, I know maybe one person. Three of you, that's awesome. I'm sure the other campuses know more people. But th- this is what Paul says about this. He says in Romans 12 two, he says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture, I'm reading with the message translation, that you fit in to it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Rock, sand. Where are your values? Where do they rest? When you think about your life, your world, what you do with your time, your money, your relationships, where do they land? I thought in just the the few minutes that we had left together that we just take some time to be practical. You know, we're going to be talking through a lot of different values as we move forward, but I I want to maybe give you an assignment to, to have you pondered this thought? You might want to grab a pen or your smartphone and write some thoughts down because I, I want to give you five things that I think you can walk away from today and maybe do to put some of these truths specifically and practically into your life. And again, I did this decades ago and I remember reading a book by Stephen Covey. It was a book called Principle-Centered Leadership and it challenges you to go back and think about your value system to think about this truth and how to define them and how to put those in your life. So I'm gonna give you a couple steps here that maybe what you should do in regards to building a biblically-based value system. First thing you should do is define them. It's gonna get real simple, just define them. I mean, stop for a second, think about the six areas of your life, your, your, your personal, your family, your finance, your health, your career, your ministry, There's these six main areas of your life in which life flows. Think about those areas and come to the place where you begin to think about values in each of those. Again, your personal life, your family life, your finances, your health, your career, your ministry. You'll find if you have some predetermined values in each of those areas that you'll probably live those values out if you do some other things after defining them. I know for me, when I look at these particular areas of my life, I've got to ask myself the question daily. Am I, am I actually not just believing these, but am I living them? Where do I spend my time? And where do I use my talents? And where do I invest my treasures? And there's certain things that I would want to know about that. Most importantly, though, when you, when you define these, let me, let me encourage you to do something. Go to God's word to find the values. So if you're looking at your family, see what God says about marriage. See what he says about parenting. When it's finances, see what he says about finances. How about your health? What does he say about your health? Career and putting your life in line in a biblical way and what you do with your work. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can read about that God says, saying this is how you should do life. Find those, write those down like Philippians 2.16 says, hold firmly to the word of life. Hold firmly to what God says. And maybe that might be new to you. I'd encourage you, buy a Strong's Concordance. Get a Knaves topical Bible. If you don't even want to do those things, go online and Google like honoring scriptures, serving scriptures, love scriptures. You'll get hundreds of them. Find scriptures that apply to the value that you wanna live out. Again, because everything is rooted and found in God. The second thing is just write them down. When you you write your values down, write some scriptures next to these. And I'm gonna take you somewhere with this. And this is just kind of what I've tried to do with my life. And I look at, for instance, my personal area, one of the six, my personal values are love, serve, honor, empower, um, uh, excellence, and faith. I have scriptures for every one of those six areas. When I pray in the morning, I'm actually not only just having these values on a a sheet, they actually become what I pray about, which is my next thing, to pray about them. And so I have these values, I have some scriptures, so I'm praying scripture into my life, values into my life, I'm reminding me, I'm asking God to help me, and I'm praying those values into my life so that as I leave that day to go do life, that there's actually some kind of reminder, some kind of anointing, some kind of assistance and dependence on the Holy Spirit to help me in those. So I write all of those down. I put them in my prayer journal, put them on your phone, wherever you want them. And then just just like I said, spend time praying through your values daily. God, help me to love people. How many think that's a good prayer? God, help me to have a heart of a servant. These are my six. Come on, I came not just to be served, but to serve. God, you gotta help me honor. God, that you honor those that are honorable and you begin to pray your values. Think about situations where you messed up or where you need help and take those values and pray them into your life. And what you're gonna find is that as you get put into these situations, the Holy Spirit will quicken you about what you prayed, about what your value is. I remember in this one particular season of my life when I was a younger Christian just praying about the area of honesty and um, I didn't have an honest past and so it was one of my values that I was praying about and my wife and I were going to buy this furniture. It was our first time buying actually new furniture other than Goodwill. We were pretty excited about it. I went down to the bank as a new Christian. I withdraw, withdrew $1,400 to go buy this, this set of couches and that was a lot of money back in those days. When I got to pay for the furniture at the furniture store, I had $2,800 in the envelope. The teller gave me double my withdrawal. At first, I'm thinking, hallelujah, Jesus, man, you blessed me today. Oh, God. No. But as I sat there, I had to make a choice. And I remember what was so ironic about that. I remember praying that day, God, give me an honest heart. I remember going back to the bank, and it had been closed, and they just closed the door, and I'm knocking on the door, and the lady's looking at me saying, hey, listen, we're closed, we're closed. I said, no, 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 I got something for you. She goes, no, we're closed. I said, I got money. She goes, opens up the door. And I told her, I said, hey, listen, I, I just came and got, a, got some money withdrawal, and I got $1,400 extra. She goes, that's impossible. We wouldn't do that. I said, I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but I don't want to keep this money. It's not mine. She took the money, shut the door, didn't even say thank you. And again, it wasn't about me, but it was, you know, she wanted to get in. It was money. Is it weird? Am I a bank robber? You know, it just kind of looked like one back then too, Ooh, you know, but it was about five, six years later, I was getting some traveler's checks from the counter and the lady wanted to charge me for my traveler's checks. I was going to Mexico and, and uh, the other lady that took the money six years prior comes up to the counter and goes, no, nope, we're not charging that man. Uh, We're going to bless that man today. He's a man of honor, a man of honesty. Thank you so much. And here it is six years later where God did something. But I look at that, and again, it wasn't something that I did, but it was something that I defined, something that I wrote down, something that I prayed, something that I was working on. I wanted to actually become the value, not just believe in the value. That's just a thought. Thank you. Come on, guys. our society needs Christians today that live out the Word of God. We're supposed to be different. We're light to the world. We're salt, we're salt to the earth. We need to be different. We need to live them, make adjustments in our life and everything that's going on. And then ultimately, I think at the end of the day, we need to die with them. Meaning that you're not just starting with these values, but that you live your entire life to the last days, living a value-based life. Think of people like Ken and Glenda Mallman, and I think of Leif Mallman in the back, and think of Brother Dick, and I look at these people that are in our church. I think of Pastor Jack Loman, who went home to be with the Lord, and now Libby Loman, and these people that I look up to, that despite what comes their way, They just lived these, I go, man, I want to be like them. You know, in closing, I wanted to to read a statement that was written by a guy named Bill Bright. Bill Bright was one of my heroes, one of the guys that started, obviously, Crusade for Christ. And You know, Bill had reached millions of people, and here he is in his 80s. He went home to be, be with the Lord recently, and He put together a videotape, very last days of his life that he could give to his friends and his family to watch. I was so moved by these few sentences that I want to read to you. Here's a guy that died with his values. He says this, to surrender yourself totally, irrevocably, without reservation to the living Christ is the greatest privilege man can know. I am 80 years old and just beginning to really understand, though I've preached it for many years, the importance of being dead to myself. Bill Bright has no rights in my life. Christ has purchased me. I belong to him. And if I refuse to walk in the light in his values as he is in the light, I am then loser. For you to know Jesus personally, I have a word for you. Do not settle for mediocrity. You are a child of the God of the universe. Surrender to him. Become his slave. I can assure you after more than 50 years of experience, there is no greater adventure than following him because he cares for you. Take him at his word. Live out his word. What I believed by faith, I am now experiencing in reality. He says, I now see my Savior with my own eyes. I hear him with my own ears. I worship him in a way that I've never understood. This, listen to what he says here, is a good day for me. Here he is at the end of his life, looking back. The way he lived his life, I thought, God, I want to say that. I want to be able to say on my deathbed, this is a good day for me. God, I, I didn't just start right. I finished right. You know, God help us, every single one of us, God help us to push aside the pressures of this world, the cultural tensions, our carnal appetites, those things that affect our value system, die to them. And let us live a life, let us live a life where we can say when it's all said and done, this is a good day for me. Jesus said something that I think is so important. I want to finish with this statement. I'm going to read it from two different translations. Mark eight thirty six. he says, and what do you benefit? Listen, please, just hear this. It's familiar, but please personalize it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul. Jesus is asking a rhetorical, value-based question. What are you living for? What are you gonna die for? What are your convictions? What occupies your life, your time, your passions? The message translation says it this way. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you? the real you what could you ever trade your soul for i think we know the answer to that question carnal appetites enticements things that really don't matter much wrong living wrong spending wrong thinking this is going to be a fun series it's going to be a challenging series But our prayer, Pastor Frank, myself, Ken, Walter, Robert, Daryl, all of the different campus pastors, staff pastors, as we prayed about this series, praying that God's gonna do something in our church in this hour. We believe our best days are yet to come. We believe that God's gonna do something great in this church, meaning in and through you. And I believe that God's favor and anointing follows people who live a value-based principle-centered life. I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to the different campus pastors right now. You could go ahead and take the service. For the rest of us here, would you do me a favor? Just, just bow your head. Close your eyes. You know, we, we, we do this every service, not because it's a liturgical part of what we do, but I think it's important as believers to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing to us right now. I know leaving here today, there's gonna to be a whole lot of other things that capture your mind. You may not even remember what we talked about today. So I thought it'd be appropriate just to put a challenge out to you today. Just be honest with yourself right now. If you're, if you're here and you're saying, you know what, I, I probably need some adjustments of some values in my life. Personal, thought life, finance, marriage, parenting, your career, your job, ethics, honesty, whatever it might be, would you just do me a favor, just, just slip your hand up, just say, you know what, Mark, I'm just being honest before you, before the Holy Spirit, and I'm just saying, I could make some adjustment. My hand's up, too. Lord, thank you right now for, Lord, literally the, the dozens and dozens of hands Lord, all over this place, God, you've been speaking to them specifically, Lord, about an area of their life. Lord, I pray that, Lord, these simple steps that we're given today about defining and writing and praying and living and dying for these values, God, would be something that they would take to heart. Lord, would you help us as a congregation, as a church, Lord, to live a life built upon the rock of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for that. We ask these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.